Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for January 8th, 2024. Can the labor market's momentum carry into the new year? Job growth repeatedly beat expectations over 2023, ending the year on a solid trend. While there are cracks forming in some sectors, the market for workers remains tight and continues to support income growth for households. But how long will this momentum last? And what does this mean for the Fed in 2024? This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to discuss the December jobs data and our outlook for hiring this year, our nationwide senior economist, Ben Ayers, and financial market economist, Oren Klatchkin. Ben, let's hear from you first. Now, hiring was solid again in December, and while readings are slowly cooling, it's still a tough environment for firms looking to add workers. So what's your take on where the labor market ended 2023? Yeah, thanks, Brian. You know, it, really, we're continuing to look for signs of a slowdown in the job market. Unless you really squint and look at the details, we're still not seeing that much of a slowdown at all. Um, we added 216,000 jobs in December. That was stronger than we had in the previous couple months. There were some downward revisions to October and November of adding up to about 70,000. So that took a little bit of the steam out of that headline figure. But the three-month average for job growth is still about 165,000. Um, that's still much stronger than we expected several months ago, certainly as we were coming into 2023. While that is the slowest reading for that three-month average that we've seen over the course of the year, it's only a little bit slower than where it was a few months ago. So we're still seeing some pretty solid and consistent trends, particularly on the hiring front. Um, for all of 2023, we added 2.7 million total jobs. And again, speaking to the resiliency of labor demand over the year, um, this was certainly slower than what we saw in 2022, where we added 4.8 million. But really, that pace and what we saw in 2021 coming off of COVID, that really has unsustainable paces. If you kind of put some context around the 2.7 million jobs, that would be among the best years seen in the U.S. labor market over the past 40 years, and actually better than any year we saw in the recovery from the great financial crisis. So certainly a lot of firms are still looking at workers and that's still adding to much of the spending trends that we're seeing across the economy. In particular, when I look at the December data, we're still seeing signs of a continued imbalance between supply and demand of workers. The unemployment rate was steady at, at a quite low 3.7% in December. That's up a little bit from where we were in the spring when we touched at a low of 3.4%. But again, 3.7%, it's a very tight labor market, very tight unemployment rate. And unfortunately, the supply of workers actually got worse in December. We, the labor force participation rate actually posted its sharpest decline in nearly three years. It was down to 62.5% and basically wiped out much of some of the increases that we saw over the course of the year. So supply remains a concern for very many firms, and that's even with demand is holding up for quite well. Job openings were down to about 8.8 .8 million in November data, but that's down from you know, 10, 11 million that we were about a year ago, but that's still far above the pre-pandemic average of about 7 million. And so that ratio that we look at from job openings to the number of unemployed workers is still about 1.4. So again, that's 1.4 job openings for every unemployed worker out there. That's just not sustainable from a longer term perspective. It's not as high as it's been, but it's nowhere near normal levels. 
and continues to point to a very tight labor market more broadly, even if conditions have eased up a little bit, we're just not to the point yet where we're talking about easy labor conditions. It's still quite a tight market. If you're an employer, you're having trouble finding workers, and that really suggests that workers still have the upper hand when you look at the current environment. There's plenty of good job opportunities. If you're staying in place, you're probably putting a little bit pressure and being able to get some more wages. And again, we're seeing that in the data as well. Average hourly earnings spiked by 0.4% in December, and that pushed up the annual rate to about 4.1%. Again, this isn't quite as strong as we saw earlier this year at the end of 2022, and it was above 5%, but we're not seeing much of a continued steady decline. We'd like to be more around the 3 to 3.5%, which is on par with where we were pre-pandemic and more of the long-term average for wages, still sitting above 4%. That's putting some extra pressure on services inflation. And that suggests that, as we've been talking about for a while, that services inflation will remain quite sticky as we go into 2024. And this makes things more complicated for the Fed. Really, this is the big area of focus for this year is bringing down services inflation and helping that bring down the overall rate of inflation. And again, we're not seeing much signs of a slowdown yet, at least through the data through the end of 2023, kind of makes those inflation reduction goals that the Fed have a little bit harder to achieve. Thank you, Ben. Oren, we just heard from Ben that the top level figures look pretty good, but let's take a look under the hood. Were there any big divergencies across sectors late last year and how widespread was job growth? Sure. So just to add on to our, our comments that we've already made here, you know, overall, the labor market had a pretty solid year last year. The economy created 2.7 million jobs, which in percentage terms amounts to 1.7% increase for 2023. That is slower than the 3.2% gain that we saw in 2022. But I should note that it is stronger than the 1.3% gain that we saw in 2019. So, you know, all in all, the job market was very solid in 2023, though notably the pace of job growth did slow, particularly at the end of last year. Just going into the sectors a little more, the services sector led employment last year. It gained about 1.8 million jobs, which amounts to very healthy expansion of 1.6%. The star sectors for last year were healthcare, education, and leisure and hospitality. I'll start with the last one there first. We generally all know what happened in leisure and hospitality last year, right? It was basically a dynamic of the industry continuing to recover all the jobs that it lost during the pandemic, as well as a function of the fact that consumers, you know, remain very willing to go out and spend on, you know, going out to eat, vacations and things like that. Um, you know, I can say for myself personally that whenever I went out, it was very obvious that, you know, U.S. consumers uh, remained very willing to um, spend on these types of activities. The um, story behind healthcare and and education is a little more nuanced. It's, you know, I would say tied more to longer term factors, longer term trends that are more a function of the uh, structure of the U.S. economy. In other words, it's really a function of these longer-term trends that are not so much influenced by the cycles that underpin the economy. Looking away from services and towards the good sector, 
Goods also had a, you know, I would say fairly healthy year, though, again, not as strong as the services sector. The main laggard within goods was the manufacturing sector where payrolls were essentially unchanged. You know, this isn't too much of a shock. We know that the sector didn't have a really great 2023. After all of the expansion that we saw in the wake of COVID last year, the manufacturing sector confronted several headwinds in the form of, you know, gently softening goods, spending, elevated recession fears, high rates, tighter credit, weaker margins, and also, I would say, more careful control when it comes to inventories. All these factors weighed on output, and then in turn, they weighed on employment also. Meanwhile, construction had, a, I would say, relatively solid 2023. Non-residential construction led jobs within the sector. That's mainly a function of the fact that the sector kind of started to recoup its losses stemming from the pandemic, but also it's tied to infrastructure investment uh, that comes on the heels of the Biden administration's policies. That being said, residential employment also increased, and that's you know, a function of the fact that construction companies, you know, work to basically satisfy what remains a undersupplied housing market. Mining also increased, and that again is tied to these longer-term themes. I would say that are that are basically coming back to the fact that the U.S. energy sector is looking to tap more of the country's natural resources. Last but certainly not least, it's important for me to also highlight that a major share of the total job growth last year was really driven by the acyclical sectors. So to be more specific on that front, if you take out education and healthcare, which we would call acyclical, and also take out government jobs, which is another acyclical component of the labor market, then the U.S. economy only added 1 million jobs in 2023. In percentage terms, this amounts to 0.9% growth, which is, I would say, sharply lower than the 3.5% uh, expansion that we saw in 2022. And I would also add to that is that if you, you know, look at the second half of 2023 and you exclude these acyclical sectors, then job growth did slow at a fairly rapid rate in the second half of 2023. So for us, this just offers us more evidence that the economy is softening underneath the surface. And again, particularly in the second half of 2023. Yeah, thank you, Oren. Thanks for going through the different sectors. Uh, now, Ben, Let's do another double click here. Let's zoom in more on uh, on a more regional perspective. Just as with real estate, hiring is usually tied to local impacts. So from what you've seen here, what key trends did we see from job growth over 2023? Sure. Similar to the national view, regional job growth was slower more broadly in 2023 than what we saw in 2022 kind of has to from a numerical perspective. And we only have data through November for the state level, but about 15 to 16 states were on track to post 2% 2 total employment growth or a little bit more in, in 2023. This compares to 38 states, which surpassed that level in 2022. So again, 38 down to 15, 16, you know, clearly we're seeing a slowdown across the board. 
But yet again, there were some bright spots. You know, again with data through November, Nevada led the country in job growth over 2023 at over 3% growth. This is actually the third consecutive year with Nevada taking home the crown. So congrats to them. You know, particularly the bounce back for that area from a travel and leisure perspective after the rough year in 2020. Not surprising to see some very strong job growth in the Q years coming after that. Much of the rest of the top 10 in state job growth also resided either west of the Mississippi River or in the southeast, including a couple of the big high population centers such as Texas and Florida, where you're still seeing a big inflow of population growth that's driving much of the job growth and overall growth that we're seeing in those states. And this fits again with the long-term population shift that we've talked about for a while of areas in the west and areas in the southeast benefiting from the inflow of of a population and workers coming, unfortunately, from the states in the Midwest and the Northeast. But I will say, as a Midwestern native, I will point out that Indiana, Minnesota, and Ohio each actually were on pace to surpass the national average in 2023. So a little bit of positive growth there for parts of the Midwest as well. Unfortunately, on the other side of the coin, there were several states where the labor market really struggled in 2023. Uh, Rhode Island and Mississippi actually posted slight job losses through November. Um, By comparison, no state saw any declines over 2022. So certainly seeing, you know, relative rise, some of those numbers come downward. An additional 10 states were on track to increase less than 1% over 2023. We talked a lot about the positive trends in the labor market and the positive trends in the broader economy. So if you're growing less than 1% from a job market perspective, that's a pretty paltry growth rate, given the positive numbers we've seen across the board. And this list of, of laggards actually includes states like Colorado. Oregon, Tennessee, states that have really seen strong GDP growth in recent years. That that kind of implies to me that maybe the primary issue isn't a demand for workers, but actually supply of workers, uh, and that we're not seeing as many workers available there, and that's kind of curtailing the amount of hiring that many businesses can do because they simply just can't find workers. Finally, just as we've seen in the national numbers, there were signs of some building weakness within the state unemployment rates as well, which we saw those climb, particularly over the last couple months of the year. As of November, 19 states had actually breached what we call the SOM rule, which indicates that a recession might be on the way. The SOM rule points to a recession if the current three-month average for the unemployment rate is at least half a percentage point higher than the recent low. And the fact that you know, in that 19 states, that's almost nearly half of the states in the country are in this position, suggests that the labor market concerns are building, kind of feeding again on what Oren talked about, that top-level numbers look pretty good, but when you look underneath, we are seeing signs of building weakness, and we're seeing that in more local markets as well, and it creates some clear downside risks as we look out for 2024. Well, thanks, Ben. Now, let's turn our attention to what you just said, 2024. Now, Oren, we just know that we know that the labor market is a key factor for the Fed, even as officials focus on reducing inflation. The Fed is widely expected to lower interest rates over the year. How could the recent hiring trends impact when it makes that shift? Sure. So I would say for us, the latest hiring trends generally support uh, the signal that we're getting from the larger set of economic numbers. And that's really that the next move from the Fed is likely to be a a rate cut rather than a rate hike. The general message that we've gotten from Fed officials in recent weeks seems to basically be that they're generally happy with the tone of the jobs numbers. Um, 
essentially what I would what I would say that they're seeing is that basically the past rate hikes are having the intended impact on the economy, which is you know a gentle slowdown, not a sharp contraction. Indeed, this is you know one of the messages that we got from the minutes of the last meeting that they had at the end of 2023. In terms of what's in store for us here in 2024, I would say that the pace of rate cuts is really going to be first and foremost a function of how quickly inflation softens, right? And inflation has been the main issue for the Fed. And so that's really going to be their main focus. But I will also add that the pace at which the labor market softens, and importantly, the pace at which wage inflation cools, because wage inflation is really a key factor in what dictates the course of consumer price inflation. And that, at the end, is what the Fed is looking to lower. That is really going to be the you know, main uh, focus for them. So you know, looking ahead, we think that employment is going to cool and wage inflation is also going to soften in 2024. It should, over the coming months, come more into line with the 3.5% pace that is generally in line with the Fed's goal when it comes to PCE inflation, which is the main inflation measure that they target. So these kinds of labor market conditions should set the Fed up to start cutting rates later in 2024. Right now, we're forecasting roughly 125 basis points of total easing in 2024. We're looking for them to start that in early summer. This should leave the target range for the federal funds rate at four to four and a quarter percent by the end of 2024. Investors are, I would say, more or less in line with our general expectation about how much the Fed is going to cut in 2024. The one point of difference that I would mention is that they are a bit more confident, I would say, that they are going to start cutting in March versus our call that they start in the um, early summer. We're thinking, you know, maybe May, but it also could come in uh, June. I would, however, note that from investors' perspective, just in the recent days on the back of the economic data that we've gotten, investors seem to have lost a bit of conviction on the timing of the first cut coming in March. Finally, I just want to make one point in that I would say that one of the key dynamics within the economy to watch when it comes to rate cuts is basically going to be how resilient the labor market can stay in 2024 versus whether we are going to see a larger impact from the Fed's past rate hikes as well as the tighter credit environment. In other words, what I'm essentially saying here is that, you know, the longer that job growth stays fairly solid and wage inflation remains, I would say, fairly hot, the more likely it is that the Fed is going to push back that first cut. And so if that does happen and the Fed ends up pushing through on that first cut later than the market expects, that could cause some volatility in rates as well as the equity market as well. Well, thank you, Orin. Appreciate that. Now, Ben, we just heard from Orin talk about some different scenarios for the labor market. So as we look ahead to the new year, what are your expectations for the labor market? Yeah, very much in line with that. I, I think we are expecting to see a gradual slowdown 
for the labor market next year. You know, I think some of the solid momentum that we've seen, particularly in the latest numbers here from December, that'll carry into early 2024. So we're still going to be seeing, you know, a solid if maybe continuing the slow pace of job growth early in the year. You know, much of this depends on whether we actually see a recession hit in the middle stages of next year. A lot of people are kind of on the fence about that. Do we see a soft landing? Do we see a mild recession hit? You know, realistically, there's not that much of a difference between the two, but I think everyone's in agreement that we're going to see a slower job market over the year. We're likely to see at least a few months of negative job growth over the second half of the year. Maybe some significant ones, particularly in some of the cyclically sensitive sectors, as we talked about earlier, focused on retail, travel, manufacturing, some of those, et cetera. I think some of the main acyclical sectors like healthcare, education, and government, that's continue to grow. And it's going to continue to add to some overall positive numbers that we see. So we expect to see things slow down, but it's not going to be sharp. It's not going to be long. It's going to be pretty short. Probably see the owner phone rate rise a little bit. Again, currently at 3.7%, maybe it gets up to four and a half, maybe 5% at the high end of things. You know, that does imply some hurt in some areas, but it really pales in comparison to some of the losses we've seen in prior cycles when we've seen the unemployment rate rise. So we're likely to see some modest job losses, particularly in some localized sectors, but nothing more broadly that would really cause a, a big concern across the labor market. And as we move into 2025, we could see things rebound. If the Fed starts to lower rates, if we see activity start to bounce back. I think 2025 could be a quite positive year. I think 2024 could be more of a middling year for the, for the labor market, not quite as strong, certainly seeing some further slowdowns. But as we get into next year, I'm hoping to see some positive trends. And I think overall, we're going to still see a rather tighter than average labor market. You know, the underlying demographic trends where we're seeing a lot of baby boomers start to retire. We're just seeing that overall, we're going to see a continued tight labor market. And again, that should be pretty positive trends, both for consumer spending but also overall growth as we look out in the next three to five years. Well, thank you both for a great discussion today on the latest jobs data. To our audience, make sure you tune in later this week. We're going to review the December CPI report and track inflation trends in early 2024. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2024 Nationwide.